Welcome to A Journey Through the Message. My name is Robert. My name is Heidi. I am literally on pins and needles right now waiting to hear what Paul has to say. I don't, I'm just so excited because we left mm-hmm. Paul yesterday with his hands in the air, ready to preach to this crowd of people that were ready to kill him. Yes, he's been standing since yesterday with his arms up and the people are quiet. We're all waiting to hear what you've got to say, Paul. We're sorry, Paul, that we left you waiting so long. (laughs) Eugene Peterson (laughs) put a dramatic pause in there. It's been an interesting couple days. We have the opportunity this week to uh, go hang out with somebody. And um, Mm -hmm. listen, if you know, if you have somebody in your life that maybe, you know, doesn't get a lot of special attention... Sometimes a little cup of coffee, maybe something to eat somewhere, maybe a phone call or a text. 15 minutes of your time. Those little things I can tell you right now from personal experience can change the entire trajectory of your life. So be that for somebody. I think it's fun sometimes to wake up in the morning and ask God, show me. Who needs what and where I can fit into that. Right. Use me to be the person that somebody needs in that moment. And I think when I started trying to purposely live my life that way, looking for those moments, Mm -hmm. it made me realize how many God moments I just walked right on by. Mm -hmm. All the opportunities. God has put so many people in my path throughout my lifetime that needed just a moment, just a kindness, uh, something, or even just to know that somebody saw them and I just walked right on by. We were going through the drive through I think it was at Burger King the other day. Oh, yes. And we had the, she was so energetic and just fun and smiley. And I remember at the very end, she gave me my change or whatever, and we're getting ready to pull out and the the drive-through window was still open and you just leaned mm-hmm. over and you looked at her and said you have such an amazing smile mm-hmm. and th- i swear like her smile was amazing before but mm. man when you said that like it went an extra like it went from 100 percent to 120 like megawatt in yeah. her entire being lit up cost me nothing but the thought crossed my mind that her smile was beautiful. So why don't I share that with the person who inspired that thought? Because, uh, and here's the challenging moment here. All of those compliments that you don't give to somebody that you yeah. just thought, they're meaningless. Mm-hmm. They don't mean anything. They haven't gone anywhere. It's like taking a seed and saying, well, this could be something, but I'm just going to throw it away now. Yeah. Oh, what amazing potential is right here. And oh, what this, a difference some yeah. dirt and water would make. But nah. Yeah, seems seems like a lot of work. I know. So Father God, always put in us just that desire to water those seeds. Mm-hmm. You give us so much opportunity every single day. Thank you for those opportunities to just be your hands and feet. Even though you're everywhere, We know that you're everywhere through us, Mm -hmm. and that's why we're here to just be examples of you as we go through our daily life. So make us aware of those opportunities in life as we come across them day to day that need a little bit of watering. God, I ask you to help us all to love people enough to care 
about their eternity. Hmm. Help Amen. us to love them enough. So be with us today as we read. Somebody out there needs a little uh, pat on the back. Just give them that pat on the back and let them know it's another day today and yes. everything's going to be okay. In you, it always is. I ask this all in your holy name. I pray. Amen. Amen. We are jumping into some Matthew now. Mm-hmm. Heidi's going to get us started here. Sorry that I'm chomping at the bit here to get you started because <laughs> I am I want to know anxious. what Paul's got to say. I, am, but I know. Gonna... We have a little bit of a journey to take through the we Bible do. to get to Paul. So. We do. All right. Here we go in Matthew 16, starting at the beginning. Some Pharisees and Sadducees badgered him again, pressing him to prove himself to them. He told them, You have a saying that goes, Red sky at night, sailors delight. Red sky at morning, sailors take warning. You find it easy enough to forecast the weather. Why can't you read the signs of the times? (laughs) Ooh, that's a profound (laughs) statement. (laughs) An evil and wanton generation is always wanting signs and wonders. The only sign you'll get is the Jonah sign. Then he spun around and walked away. On their way to the other side of the lake, the disciples discovered they had forgotten to bring along bread. In the meantime, Jesus said to them, Keep a sharp eye out for Pharisee, Sadducee, yeast. Thinking he was scolding them for forgetting bread, they discussed in whispers what to do. Jesus knew what they were doing and said, Why all these worried whispers about forgetting the bread? Baby believers, haven't you caught on yet? Don't you remember the five loaves of bread and the 5,000 people and how many baskets of fragments you picked up? Or the seven loaves that fed 4,000 and how many baskets of leftovers you collected? Haven't you realized yet that bread isn't the problem? The problem is yeast. Pharisee, Sadducee yeast. Then they got it that he wasn't concerned about eating, but about teaching. Mm. The (laughs) Pharisee-Sadducee kind of teaching. Mm. Again, with the legalism, he wants it out. It's like a yeast. Uh, And like yeast, and this is, think back to the Passover, and all yeast has to be cleared out of the house. Mm Mm-hmm. Listen to what Jesus is saying. And for anybody that bakes, or even if you don't, a single, single little grain, whatever you want to call it, of yeast is tiny. That one tiny little speck absolutely has the potential to affect the entire Mm, batch mm -hmm. of dough. You need to think of that as one tiny little bit of that teaching remaining will grow and affect that entire loaf. That is why the entire house had to be cleaned. Mm-hmm. Every speck of yeast out of the house, every bit of it, because the tiniest amount has the ability to affect the whole thing. I can't think of anything that makes it more clear I that know. God does not want your legalism and all your rules and laws to dictate it. He's trying, baby believers, he's calling them. Yeah. 
<laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for supporting my new radical Christian mindset. Yay! <laughs> and I have a fun little thing from yesterday. I actually didn't see this yesterday, but it, I felt like it was important enough I wanted to include it today. But this is a pause from yesterday with the woman uh, that you had spoken about. Oh, that was the one who Jesus is just like, your faith is yes. amazing. So if you haven't listened to yesterday's, go listen to yesterday mm -hmm. and then come back and we'll pause here right now with this. I so. have a thought just going into it. Sure. Look at the difference. That one woman who everybody is just mm -hmm. like, oh, get out of here. You're making us crazy. Mm -hmm. Jesus just smiled and loved her because yeah. her faith <laughs> ran everything. But the disciples and the rulers, baby believers. Right. So Eugene Peterson says, like this woman, we all tend to come to God with a note of last resort pleading on the chance that some good might come from it. But that's a fundamentally false position in relation to God. He isn't around for our convenience. He isn't something to insert into our lives to help us through distress. He is our Lord. He's the center of our lives, not the periphery. He tells us what to do. We don't tell him. He examines us. We don't examine him. Jesus didn't answer this woman's first request. He didn't reject it. He was just silent. And the silence was purgative. It cleansed the self-seeking part of her. In the silence, the woman came closer to Jesus and changed her plea oh. to a simple, help me. Mm. God's silence gives us an atmosphere in which to change our prayers. We change our position, revise our petitions, and what comes out next is something much more simple and basic. Help me. We are puzzled initially by both the silence and the speech of Christ. Neither is what we expect of him, but that's because we don't know him very well. For when he is silent, he is still listening. When he rebukes us, he is still loving. He's listening to you now as you pray, even though he may seem silent. And guess what? He's loving you now, even though his answer may not be what you expected. And that's the end of the pause. I'm sorry I made you cry there. <laughs> oh, um, I can't wait to share that with somebody in my life that is struggling with that feeling that why is God so quiet in my life right now? Mm -hmm. Why in mm -hmm. this moment? Yeah. And how beautiful to read. God isn't far away. He's right there yeah. waiting for you to come closer. Yeah, Just come closer to me. He's not turning away from you. He's not ignoring you. Just come closer he's active in that silence yes and now for the part we've all been waiting for not the rewind not oh, yet i we, do a drum roll if my hand worked so. i will put in a drum roll right here yes and we are going to hear what paul is up to here we go chapter 22 my dear brothers and fathers Listen carefully to what I have to say before you jump to conclusions about me. When they heard him speaking Hebrew, they grew even quieter. 
No one wanted to miss a word of this. He continued, I'm a good Jew, born in Tarsus in the province of Sicilia, but educated here in Jerusalem under the exacting eye of Rabbi Gamaliel, thoroughly instructed in our religious traditions. And I have always been passionately on God's side, just as you are right now. I went after anyone who connected with the way and went after them with all of my might. Ready to kill for God, I rounded up men and women right and left and had them thrown in prison. You can ask the chief priest or anyone in the high council to verify this. They all know me well. Then I went off to our brothers in Damascus, armed with official documents authorizing me to hunt down the followers of Jesus there and arrest them, bring them back to Jerusalem for sentencing. As I arrived on the outskirts of Damascus about noon, a blinding light blazed out of the skies and I fell to the ground, dazed. I heard a voice, Saul, Saul, why are you out to get me? Who are you, master? I asked. He said, I am Jesus, the Nazarene, the one that you're hunting down. My companions saw the light, but they didn't hear the conversation. Then I said, what do I do now, master? He said, get to your feet and enter Damascus. There you will be told everything that's been set out for you to do. And so we entered Damascus, but nothing like the entrance I had planned. I was blind as a bat, and my companions had to lead me by the hand. And that's when I met Ananias, a man with a sterling reputation in observing our laws. The Jewish community in Damascus is unanimous on that score. He came and put his arm on my shoulder. Look up, he said. I looked, and I found myself looking right into his eyes. I could see again. Then he said, The God of our ancestors has handpicked you to be briefed on his plan of action. You've actually seen the righteous innocent and heard him speak. You are to be a key witness to everyone that you meet of what you have seen and heard. So what are you waiting for? Get up, get yourself baptized, scrub clean of those sins and personally acquainted with God. Well, it happened just as Ananias said. After I was back in Jerusalem praying one day in the temple, lost in the presence of God, I saw him. I saw God's righteous innocent and I heard him say to me, hurry up, get out of here as quickly as you can. None of the Jews here in Jerusalem are going to accept what you say about me. At first I objected. Who has better credentials? They all know how obsessed I was with hunting out those who believed in you, beating them up in the meeting places and throwing them in jail. And when your witness Stephen was murdered, I was right there, holding the coats of the murderers and cheering them on. And now they see me totally converted? What better qualification could I have? But he said, don't argue, go. I am sending you on a long journey to outsider non-Jews. The people in the crowd had listened attentively up to this point, but now they broke loose shouting out, kill him. He's an insect. Stop on him. They shook their fists and they filled the air with curses. That's when the captain intervened and ordered Paul be taken back into the barracks. 
By now, the captain was thoroughly exasperated. He decided to interrogate Paul under torture in order to get to the bottom of this, mm. to find out what he had done that provoked this outraged violence. As they spread-eagled him with strips of leather, getting him ready for the whip, Paul said to the centurion standing there, Is this legal, you know, torturing a Roman citizen without a fair trial? When the centurion heard that, he went directly to the captain. Uh, do you realize what you've done here? This man is a Roman citizen. <laughs> Paul always had something up his sleeve. He does. He's, he's waiting to <laughs> he's play that He's a smart card. man. He's a smart man. The captain came back and took charge. Is what I hear right? You're a Roman citizen? Paul said, I certainly am. The captain was impressed. I paid a huge sum for my citizenship. How much did it cost you? Nothing, said Paul. It cost me nothing. I was free from the day of my birth. That put a stop to the interrogation, mm -hmm. and it put the fear of God into the captain. He had put a Roman citizen in chains and come within a whisker of putting him under torture. The next day, determined to get to the root of the trouble and know for sure what was behind the Jewish accusation, the captain released Paul and ordered a meeting of the high priests and the high council to see what they could make of it. Paul was led in and took his place before them. Another cliffhanger. Oh, the man. Bible kind of knows how to do the cliffhanger things mm -hmm. and, and get you there. I love that God used somebody like Paul, pulled him right out of his persecution mm. and murdering of Christians converted him and now he's on the other team so to speak but he picked somebody who lived life passionately he still does that today I'm yeah. just going to throw out two examples here yes you got me that's a drug addict <laughs> and I'm shooting up dope and I'm involved mm. in all the stuff that I was involved in Doing fraud, just, I mean, making a mess of my life and everybody's life that was within a certain distance of me. Right. I mean, your life was affected if I was in it. Yeah, think of throwing a pebble into a and pond. Now, it's not just you. And now God is using me mm -hmm. to minister to people that are in those same situations. Let's go yes. with another step two with you. Ooh. With abuse, <laughs> with spiritual abuse, with, I mean, so many things. And now God has called you back. Yeah. To be in that same situation, just like Paul. And he knows what better testimony of how great God is than mm -hmm. to send somebody whose life has literally been changed to go back in and talk to people, work with people, be present with people as they're going through some of the same things because it gives people hope. It does. When somebody who had been one of them comes back mm -hmm. and is in a completely different place in life it does inspire hope people did that for me yeah and it is just a joy to be used by god to do that for other people and now we're going to be rewinding back to Ooh. the old testament and heidi's <laughs> going to be picking up here uh, with psalms and we're going to be splitting up psalm chapter 37 and she'll be reading the first 22 verses today all right let's get to it don't bother your head with braggarts or wish you could succeed like the wicked 
in no time they'll shrivel like grass clippings or wilt like cut flowers in the sun. Get insurance with God and do a good deed. Settle down and stick to your last. Keep company with God. Get in on the best. Open up before God. Keep nothing back. He'll do whatever needs to be done. He'll validate your life in the clear light of day and stamp you with approval at high noon. Quiet down before God. Be prayerful before Him. Don't bother with those who climb the ladder, who elbow their way to the top. Bridle your anger. Trash your wrath. Cool your pipes. It only makes things worse. Mm, There's some good advice. Very good. Anger only hurts the one who's Mm. angry. Before long, the crooks will be bankrupt. God investors will soon own the store. Before you know it, the wicked will have had it. You'll stare at his once famous place and nothing. Down-to-earth people will move in and take over, relishing a huge bonanza. Bad guys have it in for the good guys, obsessed with doing them in. But God isn't losing any sleep. To him, they're a joke with no punchline. I love that description. That isn't is, it great? Uh, yeah, you a, were joke a joke with, with no punchline. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> I'm going to find a friend to say that to in just a very joking, fun way. You're but, a joke with no punchline. Yeah. What happened to your punchline, bro? <laughs> Bullies brandish their swords, pull back on their bows with a flourish, They're out to beat up on the harmless or mug that nice man out walking his dog. A banana peel lands them flat on their faces. Slapstick figures in a moral circus. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so good. Less is more and more is less. One righteous will outclass 50 wicked. Mm -hmm. For the wicked are moral weaklings, but the righteous are God strong. Sorry, that was unexpected. Mm -hmm. God keeps track of the decent folk. What they do won't soon be forgotten. In hard times, they'll hold their heads high. When the shelves are bare, they'll be full. I needed to see that today. God despisers have had it. God's enemies are finished. Stripped bare like vineyards at harvest time. Vanished like smoke in thin air. Wicked borrows and never returns. Righteous gives and gives. Generous gets it all in the end. Stingy is cut off at the pass. Mm. So be generous. And that's not just talking with money. Be generous with your time, Mm -hmm. with your attention. Be present when you're there with someone. Yeah. And don't live life worried if you have less than. There were some affirmations I needed to see and read in this today. This one this one was good for my soul. Good. And now I'll be ending the day in Exodus and we're reading out of chapter 35, 36, and 37. Moses spoke to the entire congregation of Israel saying, these are the things that God has commanded you to do. Work six days, but the seventh day will be a holy rest day, God's holy rest day. Anyone who works on this day must be put to death. 
don't light any fires in your homes on the Sabbath day. Moses spoke to the entire congregation of Israel, saying, This is what God has commanded. Gather from among you an offering for God. Receive on God's behalf what everyone is willing to give as an offering. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet material, fine linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins, dolphin skins, acacia wood, lamp oil, spices for anointing oils and for fragrant incense, onyx stones and other stones for setting in the ephod and the breastpiece. Come, all of you who have skills, come and make everything that God has commanded. The dwelling with its tent and cover, its hooks, frames, crossbars, posts, and bases. Oh, good. It seems like we're getting the overview of, of what it all is. It's, this is not the detailed instructions. Are, the, are these the instructions that's like the summary, the summary of, of the 42-page yeah. booklet that's also yeah. available? If you're, on the, if you're on the crafting team, we'll have the, the full instructions in subsection A. We're going to have a temple building session right. in the atonement cover and veiling curtain, the table with its poles and implements, and the bread of the presence, the lampstand for giving light with its furnishings, and lamps and oil for lighting, the altar of incense with its poles, the anointing oil, the fragrant incense, the screen for the door at the entrance to the dwelling, the altar of the whole burnt offering with its bronze grate and poles, and all of its implements the wash basin with its base, the tapestry hangings for the courtyard with the posts and the bases for the screen for the courtyard gate, the pegs for the dwelling, the pegs for the courtyard with their cords, the official vestments for ministering in the holy place, the sacred vestments for Aaron, the priest, and for his sons serving as priests. So everyone in the community of Israel left the presence of Moses. Then they came back, Everyone whose heart was roused, whose spirit was freely responsive, bringing offerings to God for building the tent of meeting, furnishing it for worshiping and making the holy vestments. They came, both men and women, all of the willing spirits among them, offering brooches, earrings, rings, necklaces, anything that was made of gold, offering up their gold jewelry to God, and anyone who had blue, purple, and scarlet fabrics, fine linen, goat's hair, tanned leather, dolphin skins, and brought them all. Everyone who wanted to offer up silver and bronze as a gift to God brought it. Everyone who had acacia wood that could be used in the work brought it. All of the women that were skilled at weaving brought their weavings of blue and purple and scarlet fabrics and their fine linens. And all of the women who were gifted in spinning spun the goat's hair. The leaders brought onyx and other precious stones for setting in the ephod and the breastpiece. They also brought spices and olive oil for the lamp oil, anointing oil, and the incense. Every man and woman in Israel whose heart moved them freely to bring something for the work that God, through Moses, had commanded them to make, brought it, a voluntary offering for God. I love that everybody had a part in contributing towards it. So everybody yes. felt part of it. Yes. Yeah, it was definitely a community thing. Yes. Moses told the Israelites, See, God has selected Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. He's filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill and ability, and the know-how for making all sorts of things, to design and work in gold, silver, and bronze, 
to carve stones and set them, to carve wood, working in every kind of skilled craft. And he's also made him a teacher, he and Ohiliab, son of Ahishamach, of the tribe of Dan. He's gifted them with the know-how needed for carving, designing, weaving, and embroidering in blue, purple, and scarlet fabrics, and in fine linen. They can make anything and design anything. Bezalel and Ohiliab, along with everyone whom God had given the skill and know-how for making everything involved in worship, man, these are some long sentences. (laughs) Bezalel and Ohiliab, along with everyone whom God had given the skill and know-how for making everything involved in the worship of the sanctuary as commanded by God, are to start work. Those are some long sentences. It was a long sentence. Wow. Moses summoned Bezalel and Ohiliab along with all whom God had gifted with the ability to work skillfully with their hands. Moses summoned Bezalel and Ohiliab along with all whom God had gifted with the ability to work skillfully with their hands. The men were eager to get started and engage in the work. They took from Moses all the offerings that the Israelites had brought for the work of constructing the sanctuary. The people kept on bringing in their free will offerings, morning after morning. All of the artisans who were there at work, making everything involved in constructing the sanctuary, came, one after another, to Moses, saying, The people are bringing more than enough for doing this work that God has commanded us to do. So Moses sent out orders through the camp. Men, women, no more offerings for the building of the sanctuary. The people were ordered to stop bringing the offerings. There was plenty of material for all the work to be done, enough and more than enough. Then all the skilled artisans on the dwelling made the ten tapestries of fine twisted linen and blue, purple, and scarlet fabric with an angel cherubim designed worked into the material. Each panel of tapestry was 46 feet long and 6 feet wide. I mean, just picture that for a second. 46 feet long and 6 feet wide. I know what it's like managing the fabric that I use here when I'm sewing in four (laughs) yards. I know. By like 54 inches wide can be a lot of fabric to deal with. Like, where do you spread that out at without getting it filthy in the desert? So we have these panels. Now, each panel of tapestry was 46 by 6. Five of the panels were joined together. So now you have 230 feet of panel, right? So five of the panels were joined together, and then the other five. Loops of blue were made along the edge of the outside of the panel of the first set, and the same on the outside panel of the second set. They made 50 loops on each panel with the loops opposite each other. And then they made 50 gold clasps and then joined the tapestries together so that the dwelling was one whole piece. Then they made tapestries of woven goat hair for a tent that would cover the dwelling. They made 11 panels of these tapestries. The length of each panel was 45 feet long and 6 feet wide. They joined five of the panels together and then the other six by making 50 loops along the edge of each end panel and 50 loops along the edge of the joining panel and then making 50 clasps of bronze, connecting them to the loops and then bringing the tent together. 
Did any of their goats have any hair left at this point? Man, there must have been a bunch of goats. Bald running, goats? I mean, just looking like some big rats running around. Like hairless goats of <laughs> the desert? The hairless goats of Galilee. Oh, they're going to need a lot of sunscreen. Those poor things are going to be Those burnt to goats. a crisp. Man. They finished it off by covering the tapestries with tanned ram skins dyed red and then covered that with dolphin skins. They framed the dwelling with vertical planks of acacia wood, each section of frame 15 feet long and two and a quarter feet wide, with two pegs for securing them. They made all the frames identical, 20 frames for the south side with 40 silver sockets to receive the two tenons from each of the 20 frames, and then they repeated that construction on the north side of the dwelling. For the rear of the dwelling facing west, they made six frames with two additional frames for the rear corners. Both of the two corner frames were double in thickness from top to bottom and fit into a single ring. Eight frames all together with 16 sockets of silver, two under each frame. They made crossbars of acacia wood, five for the frames on the one side of the dwelling and five for the other side, and five for the back side facing west. The center crossbar ran from end to end halfway up the frames. They covered the frames with a veneer of gold and made gold rings to hold the crossbars and then covered the crossbars with a veneer of gold. They made the curtain of blue, purple, and scarlet material and fine twisted linen. They wove a design of angel cherubim into it. They made four posts of acacia wood, covered them with a veneer of gold, and then cast four silver bases for them. They made a screen for the door of the tent, woven from blue, purple, and scarlet material and fine twisted linen with embroidery. They framed the weaving with five poles of acacia wood covered with a veneer of gold, and then made gold hooks to hang the weaving and the five bronze bases for the poles. Bezalel made the chest using acacia wood. He made it three and three quarters feet long and two and a quarter feet wide and deep. He covered it inside and out with a veneer of pure gold and made a molding of gold all around it. He cast four gold rings and attached them to its four feet, two rings on one side and two rings on the other. He made poles from acacia wood and then covered them with a veneer of gold and inserted the poles for carrying the chest into the rings on the sides. Next, he made a lid of pure gold for the chest, an atonement cover, three and three quarters feet long and two and a quarter feet wide. He sculpted the two winged angel cherubims out of hammered gold for the ends of the atonement cover, one angel at one end and one angel at the other. He made them of one piece with the atonement cover. The angels had outstretched wings and appeared to hover over the atonement cover, facing one another but looking down on the atonement cover. He made the table from acacia wood. He made it three feet long, one and a half feet wide, and two and a quarter feet high. He covered it with a veneer of pure gold and made a molding of gold all around it. He made a border a handbreadth wide and all around it a rim of gold for the border. He cast four rings of gold for it and attached the rings to the four legs parallel to the tabletop. They will serve as holders for the poles used to carry the table. He made the poles of acacia wood and covered them with a veneer of gold. They will be used to carry the table. 
Out of pure gold, he made the utensils for the table, its plates, bowls, jars, and jugs that are used for pouring. He made a lampstand of pure hammered gold, making its stem and branches, cups, calyxes, and petals, all of one piece. It had six branches, three from one side and three from the other. Three cups that were shaped like almond blossoms with calyxes and petals on one branch, three on the next, and so on. The same for all six branches. On the main stem of the lampstand, there were four cups that were shaped like almonds with calyxes and petals, a calyx extending from under each pair of the six branches. The entire lampstand with its calyxes and stems was fashioned from one piece of hammered pure gold. He made seven of these lamps with their candle snuffers, all out of pure gold. He used a 75-pound brick of pure gold to make the lampstand and its accessories. He made an altar for burning incense from acacia wood. He made it a foot and a half square and three feet high, with its horns of one piece with it. He covered it with a veneer of pure gold, its top, sides, and the horns, and made a gold molding around it with two rings of gold beneath the molding. He placed the rings of gold on the two opposing sides to serve as holders for the poles by which it will be carried. And he made the poles of acacia wood and covered them with a veneer of gold. He also prepared with the art of a perfumer the holy anointing oil and the pure aromatic incense. And that, my friends, is the end of chapter 37. Well done. You've had a few difficult episodes of reading with all that detail work. And again, my mind as you're reading it, because I do so, so much of it, especially in the tapestries, I've got this mental picture going and I'm awed by it. And you're like, (laughs) (laughs) it's a lot, but you know, at the end of the day, I do. It's a beautiful picture to see, uh, just to see like, wow, God is designing this really special place Mm -hmm. for them. I think it's amazing just seeing, thinking about that structure of it all. And these angels that were embroidered on these 46 foot tall panels had to have been absolutely amazing. The visual of that in, keep this in mind, God wanted the people to have an absolute visual reminder that God is right here with you. Go to him. It seems excessive in the desert, but you need to have that reverential awe of God. Jesus hadn't come yet. There's all these ceremonial things that people have to do. He wanted you awed in the presence of God. So it's not just a bunch of gobbledygook and difficult reading, but there was a purpose behind all these details. Absolutely. And I am so glad that he is still involved in the details of our life today. Absolutely. Absolutely. He certainly is. He cares about the tiny little things of you. All all day long. All day long. Friends, thanks so much for joining along on this journey through the message today with us. If you would like to continue the conversation, feel free to check us out on our new Facebook group. It's something that we're just starting, but we would love to have you engage there. We may even include a little blooper reel. There's plenty of those available. (laughs) Oh, trust me, you may want to tune. You may want to check into that group just for those. But at the end of the day, we just wanted it to be a place of community where people 
whether you're at the beginning step of your journey of of finding out like what's this whole God thing about, what's the Bible about, whether you're on the first step of that or if you're 50 years into it, Mm -hmm. we just wanted a place where people could explore, talk, and feel safe to be able to talk about some of that journey because it's different for everybody. So, so different. For those of you who may be decades into your Christian walk, remember when you were a new Christian Mm -hmm. and show that grace and love. Do not judge them as if they were a decades old Christian and that they had all the knowledge. Just just a little thing to keep in mind. And I say that for myself too. Yeah, it's a good reminder for all of us. So thanks again for joining us on this journey through the message. And we look forward to having you along on the ride next time. We sure do. Can't wait until we can come back and do this again. Thanks, everyone.